0: You're listening to Profit Without Worry, episode number 126. I've got a great guest on today, small business boss and agency business mentor, Maggie Patterson. To talk about lessons she's learned by building a thriving agency and freelance business even during turbulent business times. Hey there, I'm Michelle Evans, and this is the show where coaches, experts, and business owners like us get real about what it takes to create a profitable online business. I can tell you from experience that nonstop hustle plus random acts of marketing do not equal success. So how do we attract a steady flow of clients and sales without all the hustle? This is the Profit Without Worry Podcast. Hey there, welcome back, and thanks so much for tuning in. Again, I hope this podcast finds you and all those you love doing well, not just physically, although I do hope that, but also mentally, emotionally, and financially. As we keep going through these crazy times, I like to check in with myself, with my family, with my clients, my friends, and really anyone that I talk with, even if it's the neighbor I'm yelling at across the street, just to see how they're doing. Because sometimes we just need to stop and be aware of what's going on in our heads, right? Today, I'm really excited to have a great business owner, someone I call a friend, a colleague, a mentor of mine, Maggie Patterson. She's going to really talk about building a business during a global pandemic and turbulent, crazy, wackadoodle business times. And yes, I just said wackadoodle. Just a little background. So I've worked with Maggie and her company for the last few years continuously and off and on before that since about 2014, I think. She is the real deal. Maggie knows her business. She knows her community and she knows her craft. I don't trust a lot of people in business. I don't just take their word for things. But Maggie is one of those whom I trust implicitly because of her deep knowledge, her skills, and her experience, and her proven experience, I should say, but also for her radical transparency and no-nonsense style. Like, I don't always love the message she lands with me, but I certainly love the results that I get from it. And I truly appreciate her calling BS on me when I need to be called out. (laughs) So when everything started going sideways about a month ago for me, Maggie was one of the first people I reached out to, not only for a sanity check, but also to get her and her team's help on some projects that I just knew I could not get done on my own. In fact, I sent her a Basecamp message in all caps that said, I NEED YOUR HELP with about 10 exclamation points and I am not even joking. And Maggie plus Sarah on her team jumped right in to help. I'm so thankful to have Maggie and her team in my life and my business and I would not be here today without them. But before we jump into the interview, let me give you Maggie's official bio. So, Maggie Patterson is the editorial director at Scoop Studio and the creator of Small Business Boss. With two decades of experience, Maggie has spent her entire career in client services and has been a successful entrepreneur for 15 years. Today, she works with freelancers and agency owners to help them implement smart strategies for business growth using proven marketing, sales, and client experience tactics. She is the host of the Small Business Boss podcast, has been on stage at events such as New Media Expo, Podcast Movement, and The Conquer Summit, and her work has been featured in leading publications such as Entrepreneur.com. Fast Company and Virgin.com. So let's dive into the interview because Maggie, with her 15 years of entrepreneurial experience, she's seen the ups and downs and she has some really great nuggets of advice for us. Hey, Maggie, thanks for joining me today. I'm excited
1: to be here, Michelle.
0: (laughs) Before we dive into your advice on growing a thriving agency or freelance business, which I know you have a lot to say about. I would love for people to know just a bit more about you, you know, where you're coming from with your small business boss advice.
1: Okay. So I'm going to make a very, very long short story short. It's been a 15 year journey since I quit my job. And before I quit my job, I was an account director in a very fast growing agency, one of Canada's top agencies, and I did PR and I managed accounts and did all those things. And that's really informed everything I've done from that point. So, you know, I left that job, I started freelancing and then along the way I decided, Hey, you know what? I want to grow my business. This has been good to a point. I want to do something different. And then I created my agency. But one of the things I really noticed was, you know, I'd be in masterminds or discussions with business friends or even just people I didn't know that were kind of watching me doing, they're like, how are you doing that? Like, how have you got to that level? Because we have a lot of misconceptions. We have a lot of ideas and things that aren't quite right when it comes to running a service business. You know, I was really conditioned early on when I you know, kind of my pre-agency days by a coach was like, you know what, you can't get past a certain revenue level if you keep doing services. So I did the big course. I did all the things you're supposed to do. And I discovered I hated it. It was actually the biggest gift ever because I literally was like, and we are done with that. No, thank you. I'm going to do what I do really well, which is client services. It's, you know, basically trading my time and my expertise for money but guess what? You do that no matter what you're doing when you are an information worker. So now I I run an agency and I also mentor um, agency owners and freelance business owners at different stages in their journey.
0: Yeah. And I mean, just in full transparency. So you and I have worked together off and on for a number of years, yes. but I am now, uh, I mean, you and your team do my podcast stuff each <laughs> quarter and week and month. <laughs> Um, and you helped me with a lot of other projects as well. Um, but also I joined your mastermind. This is a second mastermind I've been in of yours because they're really valuable. Um, and I'm trying to be
1: very, very practical, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. They're valuable. They're practical. we we focus on getting stuff done and really, you know, making businesses that really align to who we are and how we want to operate. Um, uh, but with a business hat on and, part of the reason I wanted to bring you on, cause you know, I see you as a key part of my team. I, I hope, I hope you're good with me saying that. Um, oh, because I couldn't function without you and, and your people. Um, but, but you know, you've already been in business for over 15 years now. So you've already been through a recession. You've already kind of gone down the course route. You've, done, you've seen and done a lot of things. So you have a really broad perspective, which is part of what I wanted people to hear because I'm sure there are a lot of people out there right now saying, you know, it's time to rethink my business. And I would love to just hear from you. I, I don't know a little bit about why you focus more on things like agency building And freelancing versus courses aside from just what you love, but can you talk about your point of view on why you think agency building and freelancing is, is really where it's at and how it served your business growth so well over time?
1: Okay. So here's the deal. It is as simple as this. Do you, it is easier for me or for anybody to sell a $10,000 contract to one company or one person than to sell you know, 10 courses to at $1,000 each to make that same $10,000. And the reality is what we don't talk about when we talk about courses, and I'll come back to the services in a minute, but when we talk about courses, there's a real lack of understanding of what it takes to find 10 people who will buy your course. Because we've been brainwashed, we've been sold a bill of goods, we've been pers- you know persuasion hacked to believe that building those audiences are really really simple and you know I've also had another business in the crafting industry I know what this looks like to build an audience it is a lot harder than most people expect and that is with over 20 years of marketing experience I can tell you building an audience takes time and energy and it also takes what people don't ever talk about in this industry It takes you having a specific niche, and I will tell you, a specific niche is not a business niche at this point. The people who do really well with courses, and I'm sure you see this, Michelle, they're in other industries where it's truly innovative. I can think of my friend Blair, who she has a training site and a membership for pharmacists, for consulting pharmacists. She's the only one doing that. So if you are one of 500 copywriting courses, it's a hell of a lot harder to attract that audience. So When you think about how you want to spend your energy, you know, with a course, do you have the time, energy, and financial resources to build the business you need to build to make that happen? Or can you start signing up clients really quickly? And the fastest path to cash is always going to be that one-to-one relationship. It's always going to be that I don't have to court you in the same way to get you to do business with me. So, and the reality is you need a heck of a lot less infrastructure to provide a service, and most of us have skills in some way, shape, or form that can be shaped into a service offering that people will pay for, because at the end of the day, people will always pay to get their time back. they will always pay for expertise they 're not always going to pay for a course
0: yeah, a hundred percent, and I mean, I know you pulled ten thousand dollars out of the hat, but the reality is like i've had i've had businesses pay me a lot more than $10,000 oh, yeah. for services. And they're great. I mean, and they go on for years and years and years too. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with selling your your knowledge and your insight for I don't know, time for dollars as people say, but they're really good dollars.
1: <laughs> uh yeah, like when I'm billing $200, I'm Canadian. So when I'm billing $200 US to a corporate client, um, do I feel like that's an adequate payday? Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with that. I know people like to really go hard at trading time for dollars. What do you think you're doing in any business? You're always trading your time for dollars. Yes, there's leveraged income, but you know what? There's leveraged income in your rates. There's leveraged income in the type of service offerings you do, the services you provide to clients, the type of clients you work for, the niche. Like I work with tech companies. They have money. So I can charge them a heck of a lot more than I can a lot of other people.
0: Yeah. And I mean, to that end, you can leverage your time because you can build an agency where you have a team.
1: Yes. I don't do all the work. I feel like I am this week because it's uh, in the middle of the COVID crisis here. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean you know, I have a full-time employee. I have contractors. We, you know, I don't do everything. And I think sometimes as a business owner, it's really easy to get trapped in the, I have to do it all myself. Guess what? You don't. And it's so much better if you don't, Um, you can actually build a business that is over time enjoyable and gives you the lifestyle you want. I mean, typically I don't work a full 40 hour week, even with running two businesses and having lots going on because I've got my time, and how I spend it, very, very locked down.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you have great—I mean, the fabulous thing about the time that we live in is that there are amazing, incredibly skilled people out there who love to work freelance for for people like you who have business for them to work on.
1: Yeah, and I think this is one thing that a lot of you know potential agency owners or people who want to build a team seriously overlooked because we're in an entrepreneur builder mindset and we think, oh, no one would want to work for me. There's lots of people who want the perks of having their own business, but they're not really interested in the running of the business. They don't want to find the clients. They don't want to have to build clients. They don't want to have to have difficult conversations. They just want to sit down and do their work. And I think that there's a lot of really talented people who are waiting for those, you know, those visionaries to come find them. They're great integrators. They're great hands-on people. And I love creating opportunities for those people.
0: Oh, me too. Absolutely. And so, I mean, you, you mentioned it, so you're right in the midst of the COVID-19 <laughs> crisis right now, <laughs> as is probably most people <laughs> listening to this. Um, and, you know, it seems like it's going to go on for at least the foreseeable future and impact pretty much everything. So with all these kind of business and even personal life changes, has anything changed for you in how you're approaching your business right now?
1: Oh, it, it's kind of interesting. So, so much. So in February, you know, as this was starting to like, you know, trickle, like we were like, Oh, is that going to be something? Oh, I think it'll be fine. I noticed there was kind of this longer cycle happening with new business. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And then I had a couple of new business leads, not, you know, proposal stage, not follow through. And usually we have a pretty high close rate. So then my antenna went up and then, you know, as everything has unfolded, I've been kind of watching the trajectory of these things. Oh, guess what? I have to change how I'm doing my business planning because I definitely can't do a full quarter plan. Um, <laughs> I have to focus more and more on client service. Not that we were bad at that before, but we really like, we are like all hands on deck because I want to retain the clients we have right now. Oh, I need to change how we're doing our lead run. Cause that strategy right now is pretty, it's not cool. So really like looking at systematically every part of the business and you know, what do we need to stop? What do we need to start? What do we need to change? And I think it's really easy to pretend it's all going to be business as usual. It's not business as usual, it's business as unusual. And that's going to require some flexibility, some pivoting, and some adaptation as we go.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you were talking about this and I know a little bit more about how you run your business. So I understand what you're saying, but for those who don't like, how, how did you know that things weren't getting to the proposal stage or that people weren't following through on that?
1: <laughs> Cause I track everything.
0: <laughs> I know <laughs> that's what I love about you. I,
1: I really, really keep, <laughs> I keep a really firm handle on, you know, a number of key metrics in that are, I would say they're leading indicators that tell me if there's a problem in advance, you know, how many leads are we getting? How many deals are we closing? what does my revenue look like? I think if you're only, if you run a service business and you only ever look at your revenue, you're missing out on some metrics along the way. So really paying attention to what those, those, you know, warning signs are. I was like, oh, there's less lead activity. That's interesting. Um, I'm not, and I think because of that, because I looked at those numbers and really have been watching them, I wasn't super surprised by all of this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because
0: you saw people adjusting their behavior, like giving signals ahead of time.
1: Yes. And I think the other thing is like full transparency. um, And I want to be really careful with saying this, but I did go through the 2008 financial meltdown. I went through the dot-com bubble burst. So I've been waiting. (laughs) It's just an economic signal. I've been waiting for something to happen. And while this has not been, you know, this is not a market correction and what the trajectory of what happens next will look very different, I think. Um, the reality is, is there was something that was going to happen financially in the markets and I've been kind of bracing for it for a while.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, that's part of the reason why I joined your agency mastermind this year is because, I mean, I had no idea this was coming, but back in, when were you marketing that? October, November? I can't remember.
1: I've been saying there's a recession coming for uh, like two years to anyone who will listen to me. yeah. <laughs> And I mean, now I'm like, "Hmm, sorry about that,
0: guys. (laughs) (laughs) I was right. Well, and I just decided to, to join because I was like, you know, I just feel like now's the time to kind of roll up my sleeves and get a little more formalized with my agency desires. And I'm really glad I did, because like you said, I started seeing some of those changes in my business too. And, you know, you have those leading indicators. So how many leads are coming in? How many people are asking for proposals? How many people are closing their proposals? Like those are leading indicators that show you kind of what's to come. A lagging indicator is your revenue that comes in because yeah. by the time it comes in, like that activity is done. And, um, and I was really glad that I had things in place because I was like, oh my gosh, if I hadn't ha- already had started to shift, things would have looked really different for me.
1: And I, you know what I think here's the reality is, is I'm not going to say like, Hey, I've got this all in lock. I mean, there's been uh, like real talk. I have had a few moments where I've been like, OMG, I'm freaking out because yeah, <laughs> for me, like my background is in politics and political economy. Like I know what a recession looks like in terms of, you know, cycles and like, I know too much about that stuff. And so, you know, the second I start reading, I'm like, Oh gosh, but here's the thing. I've done the work over the last, you know, 24 to 18 months to build a cash reserve to make sure that I have enough business credit. And I, I totally disclosed this on Instagram today. I said, like, listen, our program has a waste, our, our government is offering a wage subsidy program. I don't need the money right now, but I want to free up cash flow. And that's the name of the game I think right now is, you know, not just being like, oh, I'm good. Looking ahead and saying, okay, what things can I do right now to extend my runway?
0: Yeah, let's talk. I mean, just real quick, because not everybody talks this talk yet. I mean, we all will get there eventually as as business owners, but when you talk about cash flow, what are you talking about?
1: I'm talking about how like if you and this is something I learned working with startups really early on in my career is you know, how much money do you spend on a monthly basis? How much money do you have coming in? And if no money is coming in, how long can you last? Yeah. For a lot of us, that answer is very scary, especially when we're kind of this this entity of one. So, you know, what can we control right now in terms of that cash flow, not making any new investments, not investing in the course that's being dangled in, our, in front of us in terms of new solutions. Like, how can you hold the line in your budget? How can you look at your budget and get creative? How can you, like, I have a friend who went to her landlord, she has a physical building and said like, hey, I gotta pay my employees. What do I need to do to work here? So I'm um, getting creative and not being too proud about it. I mean, I, I I'm fully disclosing on taking the wage subsidy because I pay taxes and I pay into that program, and I'm going to take that program because the only person I'm taking money from is the government, and they I pay them every you know on time all the time. So.
0: <laughs> you pay a lot, yeah. yeah and I, I mean, you're Canadian. And I, so yeah. that that's for our Canadian listeners, and yes. and in the U.S., I mean, think about the airlines and the hotels and everybody that's going to our government and saying we need billions of dollars to keep the doors open and people yeah. on payroll. You know, yeah, so it,
1: there yeah. is um an SBA disaster recovery loan you can apply for. Yes, it's a loan, but if that's what you need to sustain your business, I mean, I don't. I think. The mistake we could all make right now is being romantic and trying to pretend like this is gonna be awesome. Maybe it'll be fine, maybe it'll bounce back faster, but maybe it won't this won't. And anyone who tells you otherwise doesn't know. No one knows.
0: Yeah, no one knows. And I know local governments are doing yes. some stuff too where they're, you know, trying to cobble together. Um, grants and stuff so that they're not loans for small businesses because they know that small businesses are really the engine that drive the economy. The big yes. guys are the ones that everybody can see and point to, but the small businesses are the real drivers of the economy.
1: Yeah. And the reality is I think as a small business owner, it's a big mistake for us right now to say like, oh, that's not for me. Like that was my first reaction when I saw the wage subsidy. I was like, oh, I only have one employee. And I was like, But if I can save 10% of her salary for the time being, why wouldn't I? That's just a smart business decision. I think um, getting over our ego and asking for help right now is the best thing we could do as business owners. Like I've had a lot of behind the scenes kind of dark social conversations in the last two weeks and shit is getting, I swear on this podcast. Yeah, sure. Yeah, shit is getting real for a lot of people. And I think if we can all acknowledge that and be honest about it, And that's why I was just like calling it, like, listen, I'm doing it. Don't feel bad about doing it. That's what it's there for.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I know. I mean, I've been looking around and I mean, this goes to, if you have credit card debt, call your credit card company and proactively say, look, you know, I'm, I'm running a business here. Can we come up with payment deferrals or reduce the interest rate? Or like, there's so many things that you can do, but you have to be proactive about it. And I guarantee you the big and the medium sized businesses are already all over this.
1: Yeah. And I think the one thing I want to point out here is go to the people where it's not going to matter to them. So the perfect example Mm -hmm. is, and I know in the U S like, Um, there's a tax deferral situation happening. So even if you have your taxes banked, don't pay them until that actual thing. Don't be like, Oh, I'm just going to pay them because I have the money. Hold on to your money. You know, extend, take advantage of that grace we have. Don't go to the person you five pay $500 a month and be like, Hey, by the way, can we make a payment arrangement? Because you were going to cripple them. Yeah. Um, Or, you know, I'm really big on holding existing commitments. Like I'm paying for a mastermind right now. I will continue to pay for that mastermind for the full year. I made a commitment and that will stay in my budget, but you know, not making new ones and um, the money from the government or big corporations, like your visa will be okay. I promise.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really good point, Maggie. And I know I talked with uh, Michelle Mazer last week, but like my house cleaners, I'm paying them not to come here because they're, they're a small business and it would cripple them if all their people said, you know, we're just not going to pay anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I still and I want think, them to clean my house when this is all over.
1: Exactly. And I think this is where we as citizens, we as business owners, we can make some really smart strategic choices to assist and aid other small businesses. Um, I mean, in my case, full disclosure, if things change, I'm not projecting it will financially, but the, the first thing that will happen is a pay cut for me. Yeah. And I have built my personal finances to withstand that, fortunately. But um, you know, if you're paying yourself a really, really good, healthy salary, guess what? That's going to be the thing that you need to have a little flex on. You're not going to go to your employees or your mastermind person and be like, hey, can I cut you? You're the one who's probably going to take that hit. So um, extending some of that cash flow so you can keep things positive is a good way to go.
0: Agree, 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 agree. Yeah, because I couldn't run my business without you. I couldn't run my business without my VA, you know, doing the stuff she does. I couldn't, like, there's just, I got to have a team and I can't just say, oh, times are tough. See ya. And, and not try to work it out. uh, Yeah. And I mean,
1: I'm not saying by any means go into like crippling amounts of debt, but also, you know, getting in touch with what you can really do and where you can maintain and being, you know, being transparent and having some difficult conversations. Like when I saw this starting to turn, I went to Sarah and I mean, yes, she's my sister, but you know, it's also like no one wants to lay off their sister. Right. (laughs) But I was like, here's our plan, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Like, and she was like, it's totally fine. I'm glad you've thought about this.
0: (laughs) But being willing to have those hard conversations too upfront and with transparency, so that nobody's sitting there like, "What's Maggie gonna do?"
1: Yeah, and I think like I sent notes to my contractors today and just was like, "Hey, how's it going? Want to let you know, as far as I know, like we've lost this one smaller client. Everything else is status quo. We're busier than ever with clients X, Y, and Z. You know, I'll keep you updated. I don't want people sitting around and wondering, and I don't want to be wondering what's gonna happen."
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. So, aside from the financial stuff, what other mistakes are you seeing people make right now in their businesses?
1: Oh, how much time do you have? I know. <laughs> so, I think a big one right now is pretending that we have it all together. Um, and I'm not okay. And, and I'm going to say, like, please don't show up and be a complete hot mess all over social media and like everything. But I think being honest about um, being scared, being concerned. You know, just being realistic instead of what I'm seeing out there, which is the Pollyanna School of Business that's, don't worry about it. It's all going to be fine. Just do your, these strategies. I'm going to sell you in the thing. Yes, we need to keep running our businesses. We need to keep selling. We need to keep making money. But the reality of this is, is that some of that stuff is going to change. So we can't pretend it's going to be normal. I mean, Michelle, you're homeschooling your children now. I know. Um, people around the world are doing this right now. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to pretend having everyone in my house all day long and playing, um, and cook is really going to work for me long-term and you know, my <laughs> business will be fine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and just trying to, I mean, yeah, just having all these extra bodies here all the time, but also the extra responsibilities. Yeah. I, there's a lot of stuff that's changed.
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing is, you know, adjusting your marketing. Don't stop marketing, but your marketing—it might be your tone, it might be your tactics—but uh, it's going to need to change. Like we do a lot of cold outreach. My cold outreach is on hold because it is a waste of time and energy right now uh, yeah. for everybody, and I don't think it's going to be super well received. So why would I continue?
0: But there will come a time in in the future, in some, you know, who knows when. When it's going to turn around and people are going to be hungry for that cool outreach again, because they're going to have so much work that's piled up that they're like, oh my God, I need people who can do this.
1: Yes. And I think, you know, the flip side of this is I think there's a lot of things people are doing really, really well. I think there's a lot of smart conversations happening. I think there's a lot of, um, honesty going on in some circles. And I also see a lot of people, you know, really thinking, hard and critically about where are the opportunities for them right now do they need to pivot industries um, do they need to take a different skill set and create an offering with that really paying attention to what their clients need and really showing up and being a service to them and serving their business in the process
0: yeah and I think um, at least my opinion I mean feel free to disagree but when when things like this happen I think it gives all of us, just a really good opportunity to just take a step back and go, okay, things have been running this way, but now, you know, the landscape has changed. How do I best fit into this new landscape? Like, how do I want to make this work for me now, um, given where I want to take this? And I, I, it's just a good time to reassess.
1: Well, you know, the perfect example of that is one of our bigger clients, like we do a ton of work for them on a normal basis, but we have really especially me because of what's going on and what needs to happen with their marketing and sales team. Like I've literally embedded myself into their team. I feel like I work for them full time, but this is what they need right now. And what I've discovered through this is I actually really like working in this way. I I've known for a while, like I like having fewer client engagements and having them be deeper and bigger, but this has been a good reminder to me. And I'm like, huh, how do I have like three clients like this where we just do this? And it's opened me up to, you know, I'm in a contract negotiation that three months ago, I would have been like, no freaking way. Can you have that much time? Now I'm like, oh, that's really interesting to me because we can, you know, really become an extension of their team, which is what I want and what, um, and quite frankly, it's going to build stability for us in the short term.
0: (laughs) Well, and the beautiful thing is that works for you right now. And that works for them right now, but this doesn't lock you into anything forever. (laughs) Oh God, no. You can can all change in three months. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think that is for me at least, that's the best part about owning my own business is that I can pivot and I can make these changes. And I'm in control of what I get to do. And it sounds like you are enjoying that aspect as well.
1: Absolutely. And I do think there's something to be said for, and I mean, Michelle, you bless you. You've probably heard me say this a million times in the last few weeks, but this is not the time to be romantic about what we're doing. Like this is not, you know, to be like, Oh, but my hourly rate should be $300 an hour. Or, you know, if you need, and I want to give anyone who's listening to this, if you are offering services, thinking about offering services and you need money in the door, this is not the time to play premium pricing. I'm not saying you should underprice yourself, but like think critically about the decisions you're going to make in terms of what you're going to offer how you're going to do it and how you're going to price it because the market's going to be fierce and it's going to be competitive. And this is not the time to be, you know, not saying be the low cost leader, but you don't need to be the whole foods in your industry either.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I, 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 (laughs) but right in the middle is great where you're not the low, you're not the highest. You're just, you know, making a good wage that everybody or a good hourly rate that everybody's happy with, and you're feeling good about it. Like there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Uh, I would yeah, rather that you know
0: than Some risk Money my- is
1: better than no money.
0: Exactly. I was, that's what I was just going to say. I'd rather that than risk my whole business and my, you know, 401k on a launch when nobody is in the mood to buy, you know, a
1: $2,000 course. Oh, hell no. Like- um, I have always joked that like, I will, and I think this is why I've never had to do this from the second I left my full-time job. I've always been like, I'm prepared. Like we know when people say they're unemployable and I'm truly am unemployable because I'm at um, Enneagram eight as you are, Michelle,
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: <laughs> but you know what? I'm not unemployable. I could go get a job within a couple weeks. I'm pretty confident. It might not be the job I want. I might not pay what I want, but I've always been willing to know that I will do whatever it takes yeah me money, too and, and uh, I think because of that that mm-hmm. like I can do this no matter what it gives me a certain amount of bravado <laughs>
0: <laughs> well and even uh yes I am an enneagram eight which means like I don't like to be controlled right <laughs> I, yeah. I want to be in control of my own destiny um and so even when I was an employee I always took uh, an intrapreneur so I was always yes. like in charge of my own destiny, creating my own jobs, creating my own, um, projects and that kind of stuff, because I never wanted to put my career or my future in someone else's hands.
1: Yeah. And you know, here's the thing I'm going to say too to anyone who's like, feels the pinch financially, there is no shame in a part-time job. None. I I mean, I love people who side hustle their business. Some of my all-time favorite clients were side hustling their business and they were They were crushing it, despite how, you know, cliched that is. They were crushing it because they were able to make really smart decisions based on the fact that, you know, they didn't have to worry about paying the mortgage.
0: In fact, I think that at least for me, when I was in a place where I bought into the theory that you had to be all in, um, very early on in my business, I, um, I didn't make very good business decisions and I couldn't serve people very well because I was coming from a place of desperation. Yep. But when I picked up some consulting contracts and I didn't have to worry about that, which I mean, a consulting contract can be almost like a part-time job, yep, um, sure. but with a little more flexibility, but I, you know, it, it let me not be, I, I knew what I was going to have coming in so I could focus on other things. And I, I agree with you, Maggie, you know, Amazon's hiring hundred thousand people. And yeah, I think they're starting at 17 bucks an hour. So there's no shame in
1: that. There's no shame in it. And it's not quitting your your business. It's making a a smart financial decision based on your thing. Like I, you know, the perfect example is I have a husband who makes a very great full time salary. That's great backup. But I also know what we need to have coming into the household. So if I'm not doing my part, guess what? Maggie's getting a job.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I'm with you.
1: And I mean, not everyone has that safety net. My best friend doesn't have that safety net and she's freaking out right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. So, so as someone, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking about going more into the agency or freelance model, and they've been more in the, I don't know, coaching or course model what are a few things that they should think about and or get into place so that they can start taking advantage of those things?
1: Okay. So I think it's really important. Like if you were sitting here in front of me and you know, we're having coffee in the, in the real world. Yes. And you said, Oh, you know what, Maggie, like, should I, like should I freelance or should I do a course? I would literally sit you down and be like, okay, so let's go through what it's going to cost you to run a freelance business. And let's go through what it's going to cost you to run a course business. Let's start with that because I think that is one of the things that, and I mean, we, my, my agency used to work with a ton of course creators and so many people, t- times people would come to us and be like, I want to start a course. They would have no technical expertise. They would have no understanding of what the budgets were involved to have all the tools that you need to make that work. Um, or to hire the copywriter or the designer or whatever. So um, getting a really good handle on like comparing those two business models and making an informed decision, because if you're setting up your course is going to cost you, let's say $5,000 out of the gate, you're now minus $5,000. Whereas if your freelance business costs you 29 dollars a month for your, your project management system and $10 a month for Gmail, you know, how much money you need to make, in to be profitable is much much simpler so i think think look at the budgets look at what investments are needed and then look at you know figure out how fast it is to profit and it will tell you with the freelance model um you're going to be on that path to cash a lot faster than that course model because the course model you have to find the find the people uh you might have one to two out of every hundred that buy from you and i'm not trying to be negative but i wish these were things that people had told me early on when i decided on my grand my grand plans to do a course, because that was so much time and energy, even just from a content creation perspective, yeah. money in like, it took a while to get that profitable and it was profitable, but I just didn't like doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And even, I mean, you talk about $5,000 just to get, I mean, that's a sales no. page. That's having your course up, but that's not writing, designing and recording your course. <laughs> no. That's assuming now, that you have that.
1: So when I did my signature course back in 2015, I did a, a like a cost analysis. The amount of time it took me, I think it was something like a hundred hours to create the course. Yeah. Like the actual content for the course. And I mean, that is literally at that point I had I don't know how many years of marketing experience. I, you know, obviously I did all my role in writing. But like I was able to cut a lot of corners because of the skill set I have. And at the same time, like the time it cost me. And here's the thing, the time it cost me and ultimately the money it cost me because I also declined, I don't know how many clients during that time that I could have been making money from.
0: Yep. Totally. And, and, and again, I mean, you and I both have courses, so we're not saying like, don't do it, but the amount of time and effort, and I have people come to me all the time for Facebook ads too, for courses. And I'm like, okay, let's sit down and let's really uh, plot out how much it's going to cost for some, you know, to get a lead in the door that's going to buy, how much it's going to cost in terms of real money out of your pocket, in terms of Facebook ads, and how much it's going to cost in terms of time, because you're going to have to do, you know, Facebook lives and, you know, like emails and all sorts of other stuff. And a lot of times when I do that, people are like, oh my gosh, I wish somebody would have told me this before.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the reality is is this, there's a reason why I'm going to use air quotes, big name courses cost two, three, four, five thousand $5,000. It's because the marketing to get to those leads is so expensive. Yeah. And the cost to run those programs, like, yes, they're very profitable because of the way they're, they're scaled, but they didn't start off there. And there's a reason they're, you know, multiple thousands of dollars. And and again, um, I, I know many, many successful course creators, but I also think, A lot of people, especially if you're going to create a marketing course, you need to think long and hard about that. If you're a teacher creating teaching resources or a dog trainer or something else, I'm probably going to feel a little bit differently about you creating a course.
0: A hundred percent. Yep. But if you're, you know, like me and you, marketers creating courses for marketers, um, we're up against a lot
1: of (laughs) different people. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's, here's one thing, here's a little secret for you about list building is, you know, you always see those ones that, Oh, like, you know, sell your course to a hundred people, you know, on your list. Well, a, that's not super realistic unless you're super, super niche, but then also list decay is a thing. So I've gone from having, over 10,000 contacts to I keep purging my list and we're doing pretty steady list building and we're down to like 1500 now because I'm not investing cash into building my list at this point because that's not where the money is for me. So with you, you yep. Just because you get a subscriber today doesn't mean you're going to have them forever. There's a churn there that we need to account for. So when you're thinking about your course and everything else, these are things you need to be aware of.
0: Yeah. And even, um, cause I'm with you for a long time. I did, I wasn't aggressively purging, but then I started looking at how long it had been since some people had even opened an email for me. I'm like, wow, they haven't even opened an email for two years. Why are they on my list? They're not, they don't even know who I am anymore.
1: Yeah. And they're not going to buy from you
0: ever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at that point they're super cold. So yeah, I'm with you. I, to- I purge pretty aggressively too. Um. Thank you for that. That was great. Um. And just you know, getting into kind of the realness behind some of these things because you're right. You know, closing a depending on what your skill set is, but closing a, a corporate or a even a medium sized business contract, you know, you could easily make ten, fifteen, twenty thousand uh, dollars. You know, for a project, and they wouldn't yeah. even blink an eye
1: because no, it's
0: like, way cheaper the, than an employee.
1: Look at the value of some of our corporate contacts on an annual, annual basis. And I just, I honestly start to giggle to myself. I'm like, mm-hmm, okay. <laughs> but I also like, you know, the client I was talking about earlier where I'm, I feel like I'm literally just working for them full time. They, because they're a tech company, because they're in Silicon Valley, they couldn't afford a me there. Uh-uh. And they'd have to manage me. And they don't want to do that. I just tell them, I'm like, no, we're not going to do that. Do this, 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 and this. That's what's happening. And then that works perfectly well for everybody involved. And they're like, the point where like, we don't want a full-time employee. We just want scoop.
0: Yeah. We just need you. And it's exactly. true. I mean, if they were to hire a full-time employee, they'd probably be looking at a salary of about 150000 plus benefits and bonuses on top of that.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, here's, and I think here's one thing. We've talked about a lot of doom and gloom. I do think what people need to know about freelancing right now, and Michelle, and you and I talked about this, I think last week is freelancing agents, you know, micro agencies, whatever it is, there is going to be a significant amount of work available as unfortunately the workforce contracts. Yeah. And if you are someone who has very specific skill sets like training and development or HR or um, sales training, or whatever, marketing, those teams are going to contract, and they're going to need people to fill those gaps. That's how I got through the last recession.
0: (laughs) Well, and they not only do they need people who can fill those gaps, but they need people who are not reeling from being laid off. um, Because it takes a while after you're laid off, you know, to get through that. And they also need people who are set up and ready, like they're like, I have my computer, I have my office set up. I'm ready to go. They need those people, and they happily search you out
1: absolutely and I mean one of the biggest value propositions you can provide as a service provider is like, yeah, I can get started pretty quickly. You don't have to teach me, you don't have to give me anything. just give sign this contract, and I'm sending you an invoice at the end
0: yeah, and I mean, you kind of alluded to this, and another thing that's really great about that is that once you get one project with them, it's really easy to get another one. Um, oftentimes I know I just had a client on Friday come to me and say, Hey, everything's their, their fiscal year ends in June. They're like, everything is changing for next year. Um, what I have lined up is not going to work. I need you to scope a project for me. And, and he's not even going to bill it, um, Send it out to anybody else. He's like, I need you and I need you to tell me how much this, this is going to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, once you have a good, like, you've done the work to make those clients happy, to delight them, that's how these things grow. Like, yeah, this client, just, when I send it in, like, the note that says halfway through the month, FYI, you're totally over budget, they're going to be like, we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, okay, payday, awesome. I love it. And I mean, not every client's like that, but. You know, I think this is where if you were trying to assess from an industry perspective, think really carefully about who is going to thrive and survive through an uncertain economic time. And there are certain types of companies they are going to be great. If you're working in travel and tourism, time to get out of that thing. If you work in um, internet, you know, internet as a service, software as a service, the things I tend to work with, it is a good time for you.
0: Yeah. They're expanding like crazy. Exactly. Yeah. So what are you doing to take care of yourself and keep yourself grounded so that you can take care of your clients and your business during this time? Because I'm sure that your clients, as you're working with them and talking to them, they probably are kind of dealing with some uncertainty as well, right?
1: Yeah. (laughs) So I think what's really funny is I'm used to being, because I mentor and because I work with corporate clients, like that you know, a lot of times I'm the only person they can confide in. Yes. I kind of feel like a bit like a mental health person sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I'm the person to like, I'm like the real talk person who goes, don't worry, we got this. Um, and I'm going to tell them the truth, right? So I, I feel like my skill set's been really uh, stretched in the last couple weeks, but I also, it feels really good for me to show up and serve. But I do think one of the things I have really I think everyone needs to do is like I just had to really draw a line of like for me I'm not going to be on my phone after a certain time at night you're going to go to bed at nine o'clock and you're going to read your book for two hours you're not going to sit and do the scroll and keep refreshing CBC Canada and be like what's happening what's happening (laughs) like it's not productive um also like you know I was very conscious about like I worked late Friday night so I could make sure that I had the time to take off in the weekend um you know making sure my family has what they need. But I think for me, it's reading. um, And I've been really making a conscious effort to move because I know if I don't burn off my energy somehow, um, it is going to show up in the form of anxiety and panic.
0: Oh, that's a good thing to say too. Just, you know, we've been really lucky here. I, I live in the Seattle area and usually this time of year, it's pretty rainy as we go into spring. But we've just been having sun, 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 which has been so nice. So I've been trying to at a safe distance, go outside and just take a walk and just get some fresh air and be like, okay, <laughs> things are growing. <laughs> like everything's going to be okay.
1: <laughs> you know, I think this is, you know, if I think of anyone is feeling um, discouraged or just a sense of hopelessness, you know, obviously if you need mental health assistance, I will be the first to say, please go get it. Um, I walked into my therapist's office two weeks ago. And I was like, well, we got to talk about some stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I was like I'm I'm a little over the edge right now and she got me back on track. And I'm sharing that because if that's what you need that's totally fine. There's again no shame in that. Let's just be honest about what we need, but also just being very mindful of the fact that if you business-wise are feeling discouraged or helpless or whatever the case is, is this is a season in your business. This is not forever. There's different seasons in our life, there's different seasons in our business and like we will get through this. It just might not look like um what we thought it would look like. And I think it's okay to grieve the plans you had for this year. Listen, 2020 was gonna be my best year ever.
0: <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I actually
1: think like, that's a shame. but I was like, <laughs> I had some very aggressive revenue goals. And at the end of February, when my bookkeeper came to me and she was like, Uh, what's happening here? I was like, uh, pandemic is coming. <laughs> like, uh, you better revise the forecast downwards. And I mean, yes, I had the foresight to do that, but I also had to grieve my plans as part of that process and get okay with a new plan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had, sounds like you grieved it a little better than me. I kind of had like a foot stomping, like (laughs) two year old tantrum moment where I was like, no, this is going to be my best year ever. I had to work through that. (laughs)
1: Well, I think there's something to be said for, you know, I often talk about with people I mentor, I'm like, sometimes it's going to be like, we have this expectation of growth in our business to be this continuous lineup. There's going to be years of growth, but not every year is going to be that way. So there's growth, years of growth and foundation, but every so often there's this year we're going to call survival mode. Yeah. For some of us, that's what this year might be. And that's okay. If you don't grow this year, that's Okay. I'm going to say gold star for anyone who survives this year and comes out the other side because something will be better for us and we just need to be willing to persevere and persist and do the work through the next year.
0: Oh, that's so true. And thank you for sharing that. I just, I love these, I loved your more seasoned business owner perspective because it really does, you know, and you've been in business longer than I have, but it really helps. You've already been through this, you know, kind of what to expect. So before I, we wrap you know, up, to, yeah, what? I
1: just want to speak to that end. Like, I lost my biggest client of like seventy five hundred dollars a month in twenty thirteen, and I figured it out. My business partner left me with no notice. <laughs> I survived that. Like, this will be a blip for all of us one day, and it'll just go on the list of things I just you know shared. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're right. You know, it doesn't have to be global. Crazy things can happen in business, just you know, out of the blue
1: you know, we talk about, we talk about vulnerability. We talk about resilience. We talk about shame. We thank you, Brene Brown. We talk about all these things in our lives as business owners. Those are essential skills. And we're going to have to call on them right now to be okay with asking for help, to be okay with being honest about where we really are and getting okay with like building that resilience muscle to be, to believe that we can do this.
0: Oh God, that's so good!
1: Apparently, I'm a therapist now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, but it's good. I mean, these are the this is the kind of real talk that I really wanted you on for because I knew that you would bring it. Um, So I'm sure that people are
1: book called Business Resilience coming soon in 2021. (laughs)
0: Exactly, we survived. (laughs) (laughs) So if people want to know more about. Uh, you about, you know, having an agency or doing freelance work, where should they go check you out?
1: So you're listening to a podcast and you've made it through this conversation with me and Michelle. So you should definitely go over and subscribe to the small business boss podcast, which is everywhere this podcast is. And of course you can check out the small business boss website, which is at smallbusinessboss.co. And I'm pretty active over on Instagram at smallbusinessboss. And I love talking to people in the DMs over there.
0: Yeah. And I'll link to all of those in today's show notes as well, which you can find at profitwithoutworrycom forward slash episode dash one, two, six. So if you're on the go and you couldn't write all that down, you can either go to your podcast app and go right off to it, or just go to um, the link and it'll be right there. But Maggie, thank you so much for coming on today. Now you all know why I enjoy working with Maggie so much. She brings the real talk and she keeps me grounded for sure, as well as does amazing work.
1: Thank you so much, Michelle. It was was a pleasure to talk about all this stuff in a very honest way.
0: All right. Well, as you were listening to this, did you think of someone who could use these insights about navigating building a business in these crazy Wackadoodle times. If you could think of someone who could use this, would you do both of us a big favor and share this episode with them? It's super easy to do from whatever podcast app you're listening on, or just share the URL for today's show, which is profitwithoutworry.com forward slash episode dash one two six, and your friend can listen right there. And don't forget to download your freebie, Five Steps to Profit Without Worry. You can get that at today's show notes or go to profitwithoutworry.com forward slash free so that you can see what it takes to get started with creating a movement for your marketing. All right, I hope you have a really amazing week and I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place, on another great episode of Profit Without Worry. I'll see you then.